Hey everyone, before we start the episode, I wanted to share some exciting news. We have a YouTube channel now. We started posting our episodes with some cool images and videos, so you should definitely go check it out. You can find us at On Wildlife Podcast, and don't forget to subscribe. Now let's get into the episode. Hello, welcome to On Wildlife. I'm your host, Alex Ray. On this podcast, we bring the wild to you. We take you on a journey into the life of a different animal every week, and I guarantee you you're going to come out of here knowing more about your favorite animal than you did before. This week, we're talking about an animal that's probably only known because they pop up in a well-known song, but I assure you that they're much more than a song lyric. These animals are small birds, but they're a little unusual because they spend most of their time on the ground instead of in the air. So get your bird watching gear ready, because we're going to be talking about partridges. Partridges are a group of plump, medium-sized birds, and in this group, there are about 56 different species. True partridges are in the genus Perdix. The partridge family isn't a true family, as they're actually a part of the Fasianidae family. This means that some of their closest relatives are pheasants, turkeys, grouse, and some quails. For size comparison, partridges weigh around a half a pound to a pound, and they're usually around a foot long at most. This puts them between quails and pheasants in size. They have curved bills and can live in a variety of different habitats. You can find them in forests, rocky plains, and grasslands. Partridges are classified as an old world bird, but what does this mean? Well, the old world birds usually originated in Africa, Asia, and Europe, while new world birds are from North and South America. Some New World birds, such as grouse and quails, are mistakenly called partridges, but they're not true partridges. The dwarf partridge of India is actually a species of quail, and the Mexican long-tailed partridge is also a type of quail. The main species of partridge in Europe and North America is called the gray partridge, also known as the Hungarian partridge. After becoming a prized game bird in Europe, people quickly started to import them to the United States. Before its introduction to America, it was once the most popular bird for sport hunting in Britain. Partridges were first introduced to America in the late 1800s, where people tried introducing them to Virginia. But it wasn't until 1908 to 1909 when partridges were successfully introduced to the Americas in Alberta. Obviously, introducing new species that aren't native to an environment can have some serious consequences. They can become invasive species, but we really didn't know that back then. Now, partridges haven't necessarily become harmful to the places where they were introduced, but other organisms definitely have. The gray partridge was introduced as a game bird in the United States, so basically people released them into the wild so that they could hunt them. 
A man in Australia did the same thing, but with rabbits, and they were extremely detrimental to Australia's ecosystems. They reproduced quickly and didn't have any natural predators, so they became overpopulated and started eating insane amounts of vegetation in that area. So that's just an example of how this could have backfired. All 56 species of partridges are ground-dwelling by nature. They often hide in the underbrush and will sneak around to find food and evade predators. They have legs that are short but sturdy with really strong claws, and they use these claws to dig for food, which I'll talk more about later, and they also use them to build their nests. They can also use their legs to run at pretty fast speeds, but they're also able to fly. And you may have heard of them in the song 12 Days of Christmas, which talks about a partridge in a pear tree. Now, you know that partridges usually like to be on the ground, so they're not often hanging out in pear trees. So where did this phrase come from? Well, it's thought that the song is of French origin, and the word for partridge in French is perdrie, spelled the same way as the word we use for the genus that partridges belong to. That word sounds a whole lot like pear tree, doesn't it? So it's really thought to be a miscommunication between the French and English words. Most partridges are omnivores. They eat a mixture of seeds, leaves, and invertebrates like insects. While the adults have a good amount of all those things in their diet, partridge chicks mainly eat insects. Most of their year is spent searching for nuts and berries, and it isn't until the breeding season that they eat insects and invertebrates. The insects that they eat during the mating season and during their childhood have tons of protein that help chicks to grow and aids in the production of eggs. The lack of available insects in the European countryside has led to the widespread decline of the gray partridge. Favorite foods of adult partridges include wheat, corn, thistle, and other plants. Some partridges, like the chukar, only eat grains and other types of plants, which would make them herbivores. When foraging for food, adults forage in coveys for most of the year. A covey is just a small flock of birds. But in the spring, they'll forage either alone or in pairs. Being ground dwellers, most food is foraged on the ground. And they may have to dig through the snow in the winter to find seeds, which is when their strong claws really come in handy. Okay, we're going to take a quick break, and when we get back, I'll talk about partridge behaviors. The person that I want to recognize on this week's episode of Notable Figures in Science is Adi Uterini, an Indonesian public health researcher. Dengue fever might be extremely uncommon in the U.S., but in other places around the world, it's a huge problem. It's considered to be one of the top 10 greatest threats to world health, according to the World Health Organization. Adi Uterini is known for leading a trial that could eliminate dengue fever, which is spread by mosquitoes. She's working with an international team of researchers by vaccinating mosquitoes with the bacteria that blocks dengue from being transmitted to people. Her trial in Yogyakarta, Indonesia, was able to cut dengue fever cases down by 77%. Because of her work on this project, she was on Time's 100 Most Influential People of 2021 list. 
Her work could be saving millions of people all around the world. If you want to learn more about Addie Uturini or this series, check out onwildlife.org. Okay, we're back. So some species of partridge, like the gray partridge, are monogamous, which means they mate for life. And just like many other bird species, they have a specific mating ritual that they have to complete in order to mate. To court females, the male partridge stands upright and flicks his tail up and down. He does this while puffing his chest to show his colorful feathers. And if a female, called a hen, is impressed by the male, she will approach him and start to bob her head. And after they mate, the female builds a nest in an area that has a lot of cover. And this is really important because it needs to be hidden from predators that might be after them or their eggs. The male does have a job, though. While the female builds the nest, the male keeps watch to protect both of them at a nearby location. The nest is a shallow scrape or indentation in the brush, and it's lined with grass and leaves for protection and insulation. Hens usually lay between 12 to 18 eggs, but as many as 22 eggs have been found in a single nest. The eggs are a brownish color, and the incubation period of eggs doesn't start until the last egg is laid. Until incubation begins, the eggs are hidden below grass and weeds. An incubation lasts about 25 days, and it's done solely by the female. All the eggs hatch on the same day, and the young leave the nest with both of their parents. Two weeks after hatching, the chicks start to fly, and it only takes them about three or four months to be fully grown. Even though they're grown, the chicks stay with their parents throughout the first winter. In some species of partridge, the female will actually lay two clutches of eggs in different nests. This is thought to be kind of like an insurance policy against predation, because tons of animals like to eat bird eggs, like raccoons and snakes. In this case, one of the parents incubates one clutch, and the other parent guards the other. Both males and females are pretty good parents, and as long as there aren't too many predators around, it's possible that all the hatched chicks will survive to adulthood. One reason that partridges lay so many eggs could be due to the fact that they only live for about two to four years in the wild. In order to keep the population from decreasing rapidly, partridges need to lay larger clutches of eggs. In ecology, there are two types of reproductive strategies that are recognized. They're denoted as R-selected or K-selected species. R-selected species produce a lot of offspring at a very low cost to the parent. In these species, the size of the offspring is small, less parental care goes on, and their lifespan is shorter. They have a high amount of offspring to combat all of these obstacles. K-selected species, on the other hand, produce few offspring, but the parents take a lot better care of them. Even though there are less offspring, they're larger, receive more parental care, have longer lifespans, and mature at a slower rate. Humans, for example, are K-selected species. And partridges are kind of in between R and K-selected because they take good care of their young, and if they were to have fewer predators, then their populations would be much higher than their current levels. Not only do they have a short natural lifespan, they also have a lot of predators like I was mentioning before. In addition to humans, partridges are hunted by owls, feral dogs and cats, 
foxes, raccoons, and many other carnivorous species that occupy the same habitats that they do. The social structure of partridges differs between species, but we can look at a few species to see some examples. The chukar is an extremely social bird. When they aren't in their pairs during the breeding season, they're often found in coveys of 10 to 50 individuals. Gray partridges form groups of up to 30 birds outside of their breeding season. Groups of partridges have many different names. In addition to coveys, groups are also called a bevy, bew, jugging, and a warren. They also have a distinctive rasping call that can be heard at dawn and dusk, and you can differentiate between species by listening to their calls. After the breeding season, the coveys are made of the breeding pair and their chicks. Once the young chicks reach maturity, they'll often form their own coveys and the cycle continues. But unlike other types of birds, partridges like to stay in one place throughout the year, so they don't migrate. They may travel short distances to find food or raise their young, but that's not true migration, as it's defined as seasonal movement of animals from one region to another. So why are partridges important to their environments? We're going to find out right after the break. Okay, let's hear today's trivia question. What was the name of the first fish to venture out of the water, bringing vertebrates onto land? The first fish to walk on land was called Tiktaalik. It lived 375 million years ago, and it's believed to be the first fish to walk on land. It had gills and scales and fins like fish, but it also had a muscular neck and primitive lungs. Okay, welcome back. As I mentioned earlier, partridges forage for food on the ground rather than searching in trees. And while their main method of moving around is walking, they can use flight to escape from sources of danger. Like pheasants and other members of the Fasianidae family, when partridges are scared, the whole flock will take to the sky and make an alarmed noise. This can be scary as partridges like to forage in tall grass. People or animals walking by have a hard time spotting them until they burst out noisily. They're also really defensive of their young and will fight off intruders like weasels. They'll even go after people if we're perceived as a threat. Gray partridges are known to be jealous and will even show jealousy if one of the members of a different covey comes close to their mate. To demonstrate their jealousy, their neck feathers become ruffled, they stick out their breast, and they flick their tail feathers. And because they're found in so many different types of habitats, we can assume that they're pretty good at adapting to changes in their environment. They can only be so resilient, though. According to the IUCN, partridges are for the most part listed as of least concern, but some species like the Sichuan partridge are endangered. And they're so important because they serve as a food source to many predators throughout their habitats. They're also facing a lot of climate threats that will continue to decrease their overall populations. As the climate changes, spring heat waves and fires will affect habitats for future generations. Wildfires destroy habitats, and if that land gets burnt over and over and over again, it will be incapable of recovering. 
And even if there are no fires, spring heat waves can harm young birds. If the global temperature increases by 1.5 degrees Celsius, a third of their current range will be lost, and more than 50% will be lost if the global temperature raises by 3 degrees. On its current course, the global temperature is projected to increase by 1.5 degrees Celsius by 2050 because of humans, and that's right around the corner. People not only have a global impact on these birds, but also a regional impact. Habitat destruction and hunting causes population decline, especially when breeding grounds are destroyed. Gray partridges have been declining as a result of habitat loss since 1966. And other partridges, like chukars, are thriving in areas that aren't inhabited by other birds. There aren't too many organizations that are looking out for partridges specifically, but you should absolutely check out the Game Bird Foundation, which works to help all game birds. You can also take a look at the Clean Air Task Force and Carbon 180, both of which are fighting against climate change. Thank you so much for coming on this adventure with me as we explored the world of partridges. You can find the sources that we used for this podcast and links to organizations that we reference at onwildlife.org. You can also email us with any questions at onwildlife.podcast at gmail.com. And you can follow us on Instagram at on underscore wildlife or on TikTok at onwildlife. Don't forget to tune in next Wednesday for another awesome episode. And that's On Wildlife. listening to On Wildlife with Alex Ray. On Wildlife provides general educational information on various topics as a public service, which should not be construed as professional, financial, real estate, tax, or legal advice. These are our personal opinions only. Please refer to our full disclaimer policy on our website for full details. Mm-hmm.